I think it's important to understand the the strategies and the formulas. So we're not throwing all the masculine stuff out. It's important to understand that, but then to be able to take that and filter it through our own divine essence and tweak it to suit us is super important. So I have no regrets about learning to market like a man. I also learned how to exhaust myself in the name of doing what I thought I should. Because you know, you hear that. Entrepreneurs work more hours than anybody else for the first five years to get yourself set up. And that kind of false narrative. And I'm teaching my money course right now. And some of the beliefs, we talk about beliefs. I have to work really hard for my money. Money, I only need to earn just a certain amount or it's going to make me corrupt, right? All those money beliefs get tied into this way that we're supposed to do business. Welcome to the Revelation Project podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Today, I'm with Julie Faust. Julie decided she needed to take her coaching business seriously. She hired a high-end coach and learned to market like a man. She doubled and then tripled her income in less than a year, but felt drained, uninspired, and restless. Urged by spirit, she embraced her essential womanness and birthed a new way, the art of feminine marketing. Today, Julie teaches female coaches, teachers, and healers who are frustrated with traditional marketing how to build a six-figure business through the art of feminine marketing. Julie's clients report having clearer vision of their divine purpose, greater passion for their work, the skills to be attracting the perfect clients, and are being paid well for their gifts. Julie received her coach certification in 2006 from the Coaches Training Institute. She has served on boards of numerous nonprofits and was named Woman of the Year by the Professional Women's Network of the Monterey Peninsula in 2013. She's married to the love of her life, has four children, two stepchildren, two furry babies, and seven spoiled grandchildren. Welcome, Julie. Thank you. I have to update that. We have eight grandchildren now. <laughs> Isn't that funny how that just kind of sneaks up on you? It's in there, yeah. Oh, well, congratulations. Thank a new you. a new babe in this last few months or? Uh, yeah, in December. Oh, yay. We haven't even met him yet, but we are getting daily pictures, so. Oh, wow. Soon. 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 Yes, I know. It's it's really, it's amazing how so many births and deaths have happened and we haven't been able to have those rites of passage, those celebrations that really honor that entrance and that exit. And it's been really, I think, really something to, to get how important those just those events really are and how they really ground us and, and help us I think to, and I'll speak for myself, help me to really 
grieve properly or celebrate properly. It's been fascinating. Yeah. And I think people are really hungry for that kind of connection again, you know, that, that we can't quite get on a Zoom call. And I know that, that I have felt very, you know, as it has gone on, it's been harder and harder to stay connected. And so the practices have become more important. The, the, you know, the grounding practices, the connection practices have become so much more important, especially as we navigate, you know, it's not just the pandemic, but there are shifts happening in the world. There are shifts happening in our understanding of the spirit world. And it's, it's just been interesting navigating through that. Sure has. It sure has. And of course, that's just a great segue into the work that you do, because I feel like so much of what we're experiencing is this awakening of the feminine in so many different arenas, so many different awarenesses. And and I love the fact that you are marketing in this way, because I love what you said about, you know, how you learned at first to market like a man. And I think, you know, so many of us have this part down. And, and we're taught, of course, in all ways, how to, (laughs) how to do it like a man, you know, and I think what we're really starting to recognize is that we need both, we need both of those energetic principles in order to have harmony and balance, not only within ourselves, but in the world, which is, of course, one of the reasons we're experiencing what we're experiencing. Exactly. And I think it's important to understand the, the strategies and the formulas. So we're not throwing all the masculine stuff out. It's important to understand that, but then to be able to take that and filter it through our own divine essence and tweak it to suit us is super important. So I have no regrets about learning to market like a man. I also learned how to exhaust myself in the name of doing what I thought I should. Because you know, you hear that entrepreneurs work more hours than anybody else for the first five years to get yourself set up. And that kind of false narrative. And I'm teaching my money course right now. And some of the beliefs, we talk about beliefs, I have to work really hard for my money. Money, I only need to earn just a certain amount, or it's going to make me corrupt, right? All those money beliefs get tied into this way that we're supposed to do business, really not good for us as human beings. Well, it's it, yeah, it's unsustainable. It's unsustainable. And, you know, I always I, I too agree so much with what you're saying. It's not about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I think for so many of us, even for men, it's about really recognizing what's missing. And so Oftentimes we talk about the fact that we see an error and we leap to fix it versus like pausing, right? And really, really getting clear about uh, the unintended impact or whatever when we're looking at just 
kind of jumping to solve something. It's like, what else comes up in the space? What other opportunities are here in this in this moment? It's like, it just really is. And, and, and these are these feminine principles that I love so much that slowing down that that actually that informing our senses in a way. And as women, of course, I, I always point to the fact that we're uniquely suited to do this. But we need to develop a practice because, of course, we've never been taught. It's not been modeled in the world. And so, you know, there's this idea like if you can't see it, you can't be it. And I think so many women are feeling called. I'm really hearing that you were feeling called to really start to listen for how you could be of service in this way. Yeah, I actually had a car accident. And I was rear-ended and hurt my back and I couldn't work the old ways anymore. I couldn't do those long days. I could, I was, I would get up, have a call with a client and go back and lay on ice and, you know, everything else, it was just focused on not hurting <laughs> and, and not instead of, you know, grinding away. And I just, the voices started to drop in that, that soft voice that said, there's a better way, there's a different way. And I've been doing this work for a long time now. I can't even count the years. Uh, The Art of Feminine Marketing, six, seven years, maybe. And I still will fall back into the old ways, you know, and then I will get the messages, hey, slow down, go spend some time outside, go walk on mama earth, go play the, the drum, light a candle, do the connection exercises. And so it's not, it's not a matter of doing it perfectly. It's really about being in the evolution. And, you know, we just had, I I don't know when this is going to air, but I'm sure this will hold again. We just had this really powerful full moon and so much shifted. I don't even know what shifted, but it's that continuing in the feminine, you're continuing to learn and evolve. And I know there are new shifts coming for me in my business because I felt them on this and I don't even know what they are. Now, if you were talking in the masculine way of doing business, you would probably have some eye rolls. Mm-hmm. People going, I have no idea what you're talking about. You're shifting, you're, you're sensing shifts. Right, you're, you're, and you're bringing the moon into this conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> moon have to do with it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But I love what you're pointing to, Julie. It's it's so true, right? It's it's this continual practice and reminding ourselves and giving ourselves permission to bring more of this feminine communication in because in doing that, it really reminds the other people in the room. It's like, yes, this all gets to belong here. We get to draw from all of these energies and all of these sources and all of these inspirations to do our work in the world. And we can't do it. You know, business as usual isn't working and people know this now, I think more than ever. I mean, you know, we talk about the 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 moon. We also can look at what's happened with the pandemic and really recognize that there are these disguised gifts that have come with this forced pause for so many people who have, like you, had to do business differently because they didn't have a choice. Absolutely. And I'm fortunate that I learned to do business differently before the pandemic hit. But for those of us who did that, 
that opens some doorways for helping other people to shift and to do things differently. It sure does. It sure does. So I'd love, I'd love to actually kind of learn more about some of the tips that you offer to activate your feminine power centers. You talk about like the feminine power centers. And I wondered if you could say more about that. Yeah. So for me, everything starts by going inward. And this is what I teach my clients. Uh, We start with that connection to your highest self. And in order to do that, I actually have my clients do grounding, a grounding exercise where we, we align the chakras and we allow source energy to flow down, mama earth energy to float up and really become present both in the body with breath and then in the spirit realm by having the energies flow. And there we can connect with your highest self. And she really is the key to you manifesting, you creating in the physical world, what you're dreaming in your vision time. Connecting with your highest self is, it was like the first thing I ever learned 30 years ago and the most powerful energy to moving forward. So that's one of the things. Then there's connecting with mama earth and I'll go out and do what Martha Beck calls animal walks. Yep. We did the the mama earth card this morning and I, I actually walk every, every morning, you know, 99% of the time I'll go walk in the morning and really feeling the energy, feeling the energy of the earth, feeling the energy of the, the rock people and the tree people and the, the little animals that are out there is something that feeds me. And even, you know, if you are somebody who's not big on getting out in nature, just standing for three minutes out on the dirt, out on the earth, understanding that mama earth sustains us. She holds us here. She provides for us abundantly. will shift your energy for the day. And when you've shifted your energy, you become, when you shift your vibration, you become more appealing which means you can attract more clients, right? (laughs) If your vibration is open and vibrant and colorful and wide, people will want to be around you. Your vibration is shut down and closed and fearful, then you'll repel people. So standing on mama earth is one way to do that. And then I'll just give you one more. One of the other ones that I really, really love is to, just turn on some high vibe music and dance. <laughs> yes. Don't dance like I'm trying to do a move, but like feel it in your hips. Feel it in your, how much can I cuss on your? Oh, all day long. Feel it. Feel the music in your pussy. Feel the music in your heart. Let your arms do whatever they want to do, right? Without, as if nobody is watching. And that is so, such a great way to raise your vibration and get your power centers all lit up, everything all the way up, lit up. And even if you're doing a podcast episode or a sales call, three minutes before the sales call, do a little dancing. It'll go so much smoother 
just by being in that vibration. I love this conversation, Julie. I really do. Because so much, of course, of what we talk about on the podcast is about really continuing to leverage some of these really incredible, powerful tools that are that we have access to all the time, right? But we forget, we forget. And in just music, what you're talking about is so is such an energy shifter, it just breaks up any stagnant energy. And it just really connects us back to kind of, like you said, that vibration. In, in fact, I think it was actually it was yesterday or the day before I did a post about truth and this idea of like truth being a vibration. And I talked about the fact that sand, you know, if if it's near a tuning fork, or it's near sound will actually kind of create these beautiful patterns around a true vibration or a true sound. And it's really kind of beautiful to think about what happens to our energy, you know, like sand is just this light, right? way that we can see these particles moving, but where we can really see what this sound can do to our energetic body and kind of clear that out and kind of recenter us and bring us back into that beautiful patterned energy that flows. And it's just, I don't know, you know, there's something here that I'm just finding so interesting that you're saying, because even last night, my son, who's kind of been a little down, I think we're all of our teenagers and all the kids, you know, at various points, and even us are feeling that stagnant, you know, it's like we're longing for connection. And, and there was just a point last night where he put on put on a song, one of his new songs, and he was like, will you dance with me? You know, and, and he, yeah, he's almost 16. And it was just this moment where we just kind of spontaneously danced, and it just shift the energy for both of us. Yeah, it's a it's a great energy shifter. And but imagine going into a boardroom, right? The masculine way, going into a boardroom with everyone in suits and saying, now everybody else, we've got to dance for a few minutes, right? <laughs> Only not the way they do business. Right. And it opens us, you know, it opens the creativity. It opens being able to think of ideas in different ways. It, it just opens us to channel whatever it is that wants to come through us. And instead of being in your head, trying to come up with the right answers, you just become, you know, the answers come from your heart or from your solar plexus or from your connection to source. Yeah. And that's where it should come from. Well, what else I love is this vision, right, of this boardroom and, you know, business as usual. And, and I often think, you know, as, as we're remembering this feminine essence, it's, it's all about reminding, reminding ourselves, like reminding our masculine, you know, that we need the feminine, reminding our feminine that we need the masculine, that both belong here, that both are important, that it's, that it's actually, you know, I often talk about these paired energies in order to create, you need both. Like that's kind of like we talked about babies, like that's how we create. It's this idea of both a goal and a desire dancing together to create something new. Yeah, absolutely. I love the image of the the masculine energy being the riverbanks mm -hmm. and the feminine energy being the river within it. Yes. And if you don't have riverbanks, if you're all in your feminine, then you just kind of flood on everything. And if you're 
all masculine with just riverbanks, but nothing, not letting the feminine in there. You've just got a dry riverbed. So you really have to have both. You have to have that combination, the container of the masculine and then the creativity and the connection and the being willing to go where the conversation leads in the feminine, which is what you and I are doing. That's right. I had uh, this, it's reminding me also, I was, I had the privilege of being on a call with a gentleman by the name of William Urey recently. And he goes into some pretty hostile situations to negotiate peace. And one of the things that he had said to us, it was a, a call of all women. He said, you know, it's really interesting because we women, like women think they need to kind of know all of this stuff to sit at all these tables. He said the very presence of women shifts the energy in the room because we're holding so much of this beautiful feminine energy that it literally just having us at the tables, you know, that, that yes, of course, like we want to have the input as well, but to know that just our presence changes the energy in the room is such a beautiful thing to think about like we don't have to have all the answers we just have to show up and this is how i think we're starting to really recognize and of course think i'm i'm so thankful you know thankful to god goddess that so many women are really answering the call in our Congress, in leadership positions all over the place. And this is how I think we're going to start to see some of these major shifts happen. Yeah. And and that's really the mission underneath my work is about having more women take a seat at the table of decision makers. And part of that is women need money. So I, I work with women in their businesses. Because when women have money, first of all, they get to make choices about their own life. They get to make choices that that lead them to a juicy, abundant life that raises their vibration. So when they're sitting at the table, that's what people are getting. And it's, it's really hard to make difference in the world when you're holding down two or three jobs just to put food on the table. So I'm super, I can get on a total soapbox about women needing to have money and women needing to let go of the old beliefs about themselves and about money and about what they quote need in order to just have abundance. Yeah. So Julie, this is, you know, you're tapping into such a big conversation that has so many layers to it and money is one of my favorite conversations. So I'd love to know where you want to take the conversation because it sounds like money is a uh, is a big it, it's one I'd love to kind of go more deeply into on the on the episode here with you because I think I think it's money's still a mystery to a lot of women and I think there are kind of these old paradigms that we grew up with that keep us from really understanding that money is a conduit. It is an energy. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, that's really a great question. I love to talk about money. So as you said, money is an energy and money is an energy that is a part of source energy. So it comes from source, which means it's an abundant energy. There's no scarcity. It's infinite right? And, and when we just start with this idea of do I want to live from abundance or from scarcity? 
that in itself, not even doing it, but asking the question changes our ability to receive more money. And if we believe in scarcity, then we lose the connections that we make with other women, right? Then we are in in competition versus in community. So one of the ways to open to more money is simply to act as if there's enough for everyone in the community. And that's hard to do. <laughs> I will tell you, I'm very, very competitive. And it's it's one of my shadows in the jinkies. It's one of my shadows. So I work on this a lot. So in the business world, we're told, make connections with people who serve your people in a different way than you do. Bring those people in as your referral partners. Work with those people. And what that says to me is there's a scarcity of clients. So I have a very good friend. She does pretty much pretty similar work that I do. And I bring her into my events. She comes to my events. She teaches at my events because her clients are her clients and my clients are, are, are my clients. And there's no competition. There's no scarcity of clients. That's been a huge thing for me to learn about money. The other thing about money is to understand. So we've got all these money beliefs. We're raised with money beliefs. They come from our family. In some families, it's there's not enough. Money doesn't grow on trees. You got to work hard for it. That's something unique to us here. Our nice Protestant work ethic. <laughs> and when you study the early Protestants, it's like their kids would get in trouble for playing because man, fun led to hell. But this ethic of you've got to work from sun up to sundown and it's got to be hard. And that's the way you get rewarded. Those are all beliefs that don't serve us. And then there's the other side, you know, families that had a lot of money, but there was some kind of dysfunction. So there are women who believe if I have a lot of money, then I'm bringing in this dysfunction back into my life. So we get all connected into these stories about money. And really, there's only one true story about money. And that is that source is the source for everything. Your clients are not the source of your money. Your husband's paycheck is not the source of your money. The government's not the source of your money. Source is the source. And when you can let go and trust that source wants you to be taken care of, I do not believe that we came to earth to suffer and we get to play with suffering as in this human playground we're in so that we can discover about it. And especially, you know, we're here, we're in a very privileged position here in this country. So I don't want to do any victim blaming or anything like that, which this can begin to sound like. But I will tell you, I have been very, 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 very poor. I have been unable after my divorce, I was like raping by. And as soon as I let go and let source carry me, my income changed every time. Every time I get into a twizzle about money, source is my source. Yeah, it, it like everything that we're talking about, it is a practice of remembering, you know, and continue right catching ourselves. And I want to bring in the fact that, you know, we can tend to look at scarcity as a money issue, but if we start to if we really start to look at our lives, we can see 
where our mindset around scarcity shows up in a lot of different places. And I think the more we can catch those places, the more we can see how it also applies to money. So I just wanted to kind of bring that up that, you know, you you had talked about competition as one kind of source of scarcity. There's kind of this myth of scarcity that shows up like there's not enough. And we can see that in like, there's not enough time. I don't know how many of us can wake up in the morning and you know, suddenly the day is passed and we're kind of always having this conversation of like, there's not enough hours in the day. Just catch yourself even saying that. And that's what we're kind of pointing to is that this scarcity mindset shows up everywhere. And oftentimes we think that we have these limitations on us, but we have to remember too that like words create worlds and our thoughts have so much to do with you know, how that then translates to how we are about money, but we're unconscious oftentimes to how that's related. Well, and and I love that you brought that up about time because it's a badge of honor in our society to be too busy. Mm-hmm. Now, think about it. When you say to someone, how are you? Oh, I'm so busy. I've got so much on my plate. And then you think, oh, they're important, right? Or you're supposed to think they're important. If you went to a business friend and you said, how are you? And she said, I'm really great. You know, I am spending about three hours a day out hiking. And then I do a couple hours of work and then I go play with my grandkids. Then you'd be like, girl, wasting your time on, right? But really, that's the important stuff. Or or I want to point to the fact that we would also think like, wow, she's so self-indulgent. So selfish. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And it's and yet it's like that nourishing. And then it's it's such a cool thing to watch some of the women who've actually changed this paradigm for themselves and watch how they give from their overflow because it takes them such less time to actually get their work done because they're so nourished. Yes, exactly. And when we started our businesses, this is what cracks me up. I mean, we all start our business with this idea that we want a freedom lifestyle. And then we chain ourselves to our computers for eight or 10 hours a day. That's not freedom. Mm -mm. Freedom is starting. I just wrote about this because my husband has been home since the start of the pandemic. He used to go to an office. Now he's home. And so I was writing about it and I was writing, I was writing about shame. And I was like, I even have shame about the hours I work. I'll, (laughs) I will stay in my office upstairs reading celebrity gossip because I don't want my husband to think that I'm lazy because I quit work. (laughs) And and I wrote that in this email and I went, huh, (laughs) huh. I didn't even recognize I was doing it till I wrote it down. And, And we do fall into those patterns. But really think about if you could have a six or seven figure business, whatever brings you the most joy, they're different animals. But let's say you can have a six figure business and you can do it working 20 hours a week and the rest of your time is yours. Doesn't that feel delicious? So delicious. And yet when you describe it to somebody, they're like, you aren't working hard enough. Right. And puts it down. I wanted to ask you, Julie, you know, one thing that I see 
so much, and I, I wanted to talk to this for a minute with you, is this idea of like women talk about limits and putting limits and, and scarcity. It's like there's this, there's also this invisible, like I always talk about the trance of unworthiness. And often women will look at the price of a program and they have the desire, but they will deny themselves. And it's this, it's this kind of this, just for me, once I kind of understood that part of that energetic flow that I think the universe and source so wants for us is for us to place enough value in ourselves to actually have the money be the non-issue because what's really then happening is this return on investment of self that is so beautiful because not only have we valued ourselves enough to do the thing that we th- that we might think initially is like oh that's so expensive like i couldn't possibly but yet we really what we're really wanting is to see all of these women flourish in the world and learn these new skill sets. But we also want to see women who are delivering this work get paid well. So there's this kind of funny paradigm that happens that again, stops the flow of a lot of this happening. Because there are women out there that are being marketed to who are putting limits on themselves, investing in themselves. Does does this make sense? Oh, absolutely. So Money should never make decisions for you. That's when you become a slave to money is when money is making the decision for you. And I will tell you that I have invested tens of thousands of dollars in programs when I didn't have that money. And it always translated into a bigger return on the investment. Always. But I think the problem is that we have been taught to make decisions from our head, to create a pro and con list, to figure out the ROI, and then make the decision for that. And your head is not designed for making decisions. Your head is only designed for storing data, collecting and storing data, which is great. And you need that. Otherwise, we would never remember that saber-toothed tigers are bad kitties and you shouldn't pet them. So we've got to store that data. You are meant to make decisions with your body. And it really is, for some people, heart, some people, it's a gut thing. Some people, it's just been knowing in their body. And we haven't learned to trust that. And so for me, if it's it's this emotional decision and I need to, if you make decisions from your heart, from your emotions, you need to take the time to go through all the emotions because there's a lot of emotions with a big decision. And then there'll be a knowing like, oh, that's the right decision. But it's not because your head has thought about it. It's not because you've checked your bank account. It's not because you've tracked how to do it. First, it's the knowing, is this for me or not for me? If it's in your gut, it's a, it's a real guttural, uh-huh, or uh-uh. And you've got to come to that place where you know from your body. And then you look at the money. And then you say, my body says that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I trust that this is in my highest and best good. Now I'm going to go figure out how to make it happen. And it's that second question. It's not a, can I, looking at my money to see, can I? It's looking at my money to see how I can. 
And even just shifting that question opens a world of possibility to you. I love that. And so I think for women, it's to stop doing the justifying the head and and really just go with your body and trust. If I do this thing and it's in my highest and best good, that means it's also in the highest and best good of my kids and my spouse and my business and my household. So denying me denies all those people around me. When are we going to get that, Julie? (laughs) When are we going to get that piece? Well, you know, here's what society teaches us, that we are valuable if we are young and thin with big boobs. And, and, And serve, you know, at the expense of ourselves, you know. And serve at the expense of ourselves. When you become a mother, you are supposed to have no more desires of your own. I, I talk to women all the time and I'm like, what do you desire? What do you want? They don't know. I know. They don't know because they've forgotten how to do that. And I love that you're saying that because um, I often talk about that. And there's that kind of reconnection and that embodiment that you're talking about. You know, a lot of women are living here in their heads. And so the getting back in our bodies can be really scary when we've spent most of our lives disassociating. So not only is that a huge conversation that we talk about a lot, but there's also really this idea of, you know, being able to... Ah, gosh, you know, just know, just trust that once we're kind of in back in in our bodies, that trust in our own wisdom, what our wisdom is telling us and dare is the word I often use dare to dream again, dare to imagine because reconnecting ourselves to that. I think I think again, that's one of those backwards societal patriarchal Uh, things kind of like dancing. It's like, oh, imagination, poo poo. And yet the imagination is we have to imagine it before we can create it. Exactly. And um, Albert Einstein said something like the problems that exist in the world today can't be solved at the level of thinking that created them. Right? We can't think our way out of any of this. We really have to allow creativity to take over. And creativity doesn't come from coloring inside the lines. I bought my granddaughters, you know, those adult coloring books, you know, but really, I bought my granddaughters a couple of those. They love them. I hate them. (laughs) Like, help us color the flowers. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. because it's all coloring inside the lines. If I want to color, I want to like, have a big pad and be able to go where I want with it. And that's the creativity we need in the world today. We got to stop being bound up in the rules of how we are supposed to be, or how we think we will be accepted, or what someone else has told us we should be, so that we can actually solve the problems in the world today, and we can solve the problems in our business. Yeah, we have to really feel our way into the solutions now. We're not going to think our way out into them. Absolutely. It's just, this is so beautiful, too. I love how money segued into creativity. (laughs) 
Because it's it's all part of the same energy. Again, like I often think about also what money gives us, right? And we've been taught that money is somehow like the ultimate evil. And yet when we think about it, let's, I always bring Lynn Twist into everything I talk about, it seems, because I love her work, because she's always working with these very two masculine, right, economy and ecology, which is that feminine. And I often look at this idea of like, money doesn't have a soul. She wrote the book, The Soul of Money. Money doesn't have a soul, we do. And how we use it becomes an extension. And if we're connected to our soul, we're going to use money in the most soulful way, which means that we're going to extend that love through our money. We're going to extend that, you know, nourishment to others through money. And so we have this, again, backwards paradigm about what money can provide. Money gives us freedom. Money gives us access to so much creativity, um, to so much, you know, it's it's a demonstration of, of love, right? When we gift someone with money when we have that to give because it's it's literally like giving them a way to have more freedom it's just a beautiful you know it can be this beautiful beautiful way of looking at money so julie i just want to thank you you know for your time today and i wanted to ask you you know is there anything that maybe i haven't asked that you that you'd like to share with our audience let me just ask money if it has something it wants to share so uh, money wants your audience to know that it wants to play. It wants to dance. It wants to dance with them. When you're doing your dancing, actually invite the energy of money to join you because money wants to dance with you and find, oh, this is so interesting. It's saying find the cracks. So it can crack you open. So more of it can come in. Mm -hmm. And one of those cracks can come when you do your dancing with money. Another one can come, as you said, when you're paying for things like that crack of, I am not, I am infusing my money with love as I give it to you, as I Mm -hmm. give it to the store clerk, as I give it to my coach, wherever you're spending your money and money just wants to be. It, it really wants to be a friend and play. Okay, you guys, you heard that, right? The money dance. You Now you get to do the money dance. I love that. Julie, thank you so much. This has been such a beautiful conversation. And of course, for our listeners, I'll make sure to put Julie's links in the podcast show notes. And until next time, more to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.